Welcome to 7-Minute Torah, an exploration of the weekly Torah portion with me, Rabbi Micah Streifer. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to subscribe or comment or share it with a friend. Welcome. This week we're reading a parsha that I think a lot of us can relate to, because this is a Torah portion about not getting along with your siblings. It's called Toldot. Because it begins with the words, Ele todot Yitzchak. This is the story of Isaac. The parsha turns almost immediately to Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau. And one thing you should know, if you don't already know, is that Jacob and Esau are considered in the Torah to be the ancestors or progenitors of two different nations. Jacob is the ancestor of the Israelites. And Esau is the ancestor of a neighboring nation called Edom, or the Edomites. The Edomites lived just kind of southeast of the Israelites, and relations between these two peoples were not always very warm. And that's reflected in the Parsha, as we read from the very beginning that Rebekah's pregnancy with these two children was rocky. It says, The children struggled in her womb, so much so that she cried out, Why do I even exist? So from the very beginning, Jacob and Esau have a challenging relationship, and that continues throughout their life. Jacob and Esau are kind of a prototype of warring siblings. They're opposite one another. One is mild-mannered and prefers to be indoors, and the other one's kind of macho and likes to hunt and be outside. They're hostile to each other. They're pretty well out to get each other. They're always scheming. There are two incidents described in this Torah portion that drive that point home. The first one, Esau comes back famished from the fields after hunting and asks his brother for a bowl of soup. And Jacob says, sure, if you sell me your birthright first, which, by the way, Esau does. In the second incident, their father Isaac is dying and wants to bless his older son Esau, as was the tradition back then. But Jacob, with his mother's support, tricks the blind and ailing Isaac into blessing him instead. So in two different cases, Jacob has schemed to steal from his brother. Esau responds by threatening to kill Jacob. Jacob responds by running away as fast as he can, and that's pretty much the end of the portion. So these two are in many ways the prototype for how not to get along. At least for now. They will actually reconcile later in life, but we'll get to that in two weeks. Now, the framers of the Torah make an interesting choice in writing this story. They could have written Jacob and Esau to be anything. They could have been cross-town rivals. They could have been bitter enemies. But instead, Jacob and Esau are brothers. They're siblings. To be siblings is to have a stake in one another's well-being. It's to see yourselves as coming from a common place and having a responsibility toward each other. That certainly is a commentary on the relationship between Israel and Edom in ancient times. But I think it's also meant to be a lesson for us about the ways we think about and the ways we look at those that we disagree with, those that we struggle with. And there's a story in the Talmud that teaches a similar lesson. We know that in the first century CE, there were two great sages, Hillel and Shammai. And we know from reading the Talmudic literature that these two sages and the schools who followed them disagreed about 
I was going to say disagreed about almost everything. I don't want to overstate it, but they disagreed about a lot. The Mishnah describes Hillel and Shammai and their schools as debating everything from who should be allowed to study Torah to whether it's okay to tell a little white lie to what's the proper date of Tu B'Shvat, the holiday of the trees, to what are the laws surrounding divorce, to famously, which direction and order do you light the Hanukkah candles? Clearly, some of these topics may be of greater import than others, but when you're building a new religion, as they were, this kind of stuff mattered. And the Talmud records the following story. It says, Shalosh shanim For three years, Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel disagreed. Both said the halacha, the Jewish law, is in accordance with our opinion. Until finally, a voice came from heaven and said, Elu ve'elu divrei Elohim chayim. Both this opinion and that opinion are the words of the living God. Now, you might think that that ends the story. The voice from heaven comes down. God essentially declares they're both right. There can be more than one opinion on this matter. But that's not the end of the story. Because immediately after saying that, the the voice from heaven goes on to say, the halakha is in accordance with the opinions of Beit Hillel. Now, how can that be? How can it be the case that both opinions are the words of the living God, but also we follow the words of Beit Hillel? Well, the Talmud discusses that question, and it answers that the reason Beit Hillel is privileged to have the Jewish law established in accordance with their opinion is that nochin v'aluvin, they were agreeable and forbearing. They would teach both their own opinions and the opinions of Beit Shammai, and in fact, they would teach the Shammai opinions first. So what we have here is a story of two groups of scholars disagreeing. And in the end, the disagreement is solved not by who shouts the loudest or who proves their opponent wrong, but rather by determining who treats their opponent civilly, who respects the views of the other even when they don't agree. In Hebrew, we call this a machloket l'shem shamayim, a disagreement that is for the sake of heaven. Think of what Hillel and Shammai are modeling here. It takes a huge amount of security to defer to your opponent's opinion first before stating your own opinion. Can you imagine if Democrats and Republicans or conservatives and liberals did that today? If during a political debate, the one turned to the other and said, first, let's hear how you think we should do it. And then I have some ideas to share. Why, that could completely upend our political system. It could change not only the way we vote, the way we choose leaders, but maybe even the way we are governed. It would remind us that the people who sit on the other side of the political spectrum are not only opponents and certainly not enemies, but fellow citizens. They are siblings, people with whom we share a common history and a common destiny and a responsibility. Hillel and Shammai, Jacob and Esau, these are archetypes for how to and how not to disagree. In the end, our tradition wishes to remind us that we are at our best when we see the other as a sibling, when we listen to the opinions that we don't agree with and try to see the merit in them, when we strive for machloket l'shem shamayim, for our disagreements to be for the sake of heaven, which is really another way of saying for the sake of all of us. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment. 